All right, let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get started. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for our time together. Lord, I pray that you'll just um, encourage each and every one of us, Lord, here, as we're called to do in your word. So oftentimes, Father, we can take this for granted. I pray that we'll never do so. Lord, I pray for camp right now, teen camp that's going on, that you'll be with everyone up there, help lives to be saved and lives to be changed. Father, camp is such an incredible, incredible thing, Lord, for young people to get to go to. I pray you'll be with the speakers. Father, I pray for the people who are out who are sick, that you'll just help them to recover and come back quickly. Um, Lord, just, uh, um, Father, people who are, who've been out for a little while with the sickness, Lord, please just break that and help them to recover fully. I pray for VBS is coming up. You'll go ahead, Lord, and prepare the way for that, for the speaking and the teaching and uh, the atmosphere, Lord. Help it just to glorify and honor you. I pray for Steve and Marie, Lord, that sad situation up there in Montana, Father, that you'll just allow them to be a witness to their family, Lord, in, um, in a way that only you can. I pray for the, the aching family, Father, as they lost a, a someone so close to them. I pray that you'll be with them. Be with Steve and Marie as uh, they travel back. Please give them safety as they travel, Lord. I pray for Diana Lafferty, for her health, Lord, that you'll You'll shroud her with grace, um, Father, and help her each and every day. I pray for Alan Mary, their son Matt, that you'll be with him. A fall, blow to the head is something so serious. And oftentimes, Father, we can't see what the problem is, but you know exactly what the problem is. I pray that you'll be with them, uh, and I pray you'll be with Matt, Lord, and help him to make a full 100% recovery. Please be with us tonight, Lord, as we look at your word briefly, and help us as we go throughout this week. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. All right, let's take our Bibles and let's turn to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. If you ever thought that, um, if you ever took for granted meeting in the house of God, you should take a look at some of the news this past week up in Canada, just over the border. I mean, you've got a pastor who's meeting with his people and they've got a police helicopter out searching for him and they find that then they come to his house and in front of all of his kids they arrest him and then there's people there police officers who are saying i'm just doing my job and they don't actually agree with what they're doing those are the worst type of cowards people that will say i don't agree with this but it's just my job i've got to do with it if you study history um at all and you study uh, uh world war ii you will find that German soldiers, many, many, many of the German soldiers who some of the most horrific, horrible uh, things they did in exterminating the Jews wrote letters home talking about how disgusted they were about it and they couldn't believe they were doing it. But they literally, it was just their job, we have to do it. And they didn't stand up and they exterminated millions of Jews, even though many of them disagreed with that. So don't ever buy into the, well, I'm just doing my job. No, if your job's wrong, find another job, you know. So anyways, we need to pray for them, that pastor up there, he's been taken. But now you're literally, it's like a North Korea or China. Uh, I was talking um, to some people, um, actually, uh, I think it was yesterday or two days ago, about how that's what China will do. And um, it was all in the, under the guise of public safety. And we have to be careful for the, the public. So what they're doing is they're shutting the water off for these churches, but just going about it a different way. And it's their way to round them up and throw them in prison. So we certainly need to pray for them. And we also need to pray for um, the Christians in Canada and these other places that they will rise up and go, okay, you know, 
we're all gonna we're not gonna stand for this anymore. So, anyways, there's a side political note. Now we can get started uh, with the with the sermon here. So, in Matthew 25 and verse 14, we're gonna look at something here. Each and every person in our life, we've made mistakes. Now, what we're going to do is we're not going to talk about all the mistakes that we made because we would be here for years. But we all have times in our lives whenever we would like to hit the reset button. I shouldn't have done that. I made a mistake. Other times we see, though, that it wasn't just a mistake that we made. It was a bad decision that we made. And sometimes we can make an excuse and say, well, that was just a mistake. But really, it was a thoughtful decision that we made. And this is nothing new to mankind. Very quickly, in June of 1520, Montezuma II, of Montezuma's revenge fame, um, he was the emperor of the Aztec nation. He stepped out before his people on that morning in the great city of Tenochtitlan. Now, if I said that wrong, too bad. We're moving on. He was now a prisoner of Hernan Cortez of the Spanish conquistadors. He was sent out to calm the people because they were getting ready to revolt against the conquistadors coming in to their great city there. When he came out to meet with all the people, there were some rowdy um, civilians there. And one of them, they don't know who, we'll call him Joe, Joe picked up a rock and chunked it. Now, he might have meant to throw it and hit one of the conquistadors in the noggin, but he did not. It hit Montezuma II, the emperor of the Aztecs, directly in the face. Now, that is either horrible misfortune or an incredible throw. One of the, however you want to look at that, he chunked it, hits him in the face, and literally does so much structural damage that he dies three days later. And the Aztec Empire starts this steady decline because the citizen threw a rock and hit the emperor in the face. Now, to this day, they don't know whether or not that was a mistake or whether it was done on purpose. I can imagine if it was a citizen, he probably didn't want to kill his emperor, but we're not for sure. It's open to debate for that, and people make mistakes. If you fast forward to something a couple of years ago, here's another mistake that someone made, and this is obviously a lot lower on the scale of the worst mistakes you can make. Kent State was playing Townsend as their, in their football season opener. Townsend was pinned deep in their own territory and was forced to punt. Kent State fans were screaming as the punt was blocked, and the linebacker, Andre Parker, scooped up the ball for an easy score. Unbeknownst to him, Parker was running in the wrong direction. The sideline, you can look it up on YouTube, the sideline is screaming for him as he runs down the wrong direction. He's about to run through his own goal, and it's going to result in a safety. But the Townsend players were equally as clueless, and they ran him down and tackled him before he could give them a safety and two points. So you've got one guy running towards his own end zone. This coach is at everyone screaming, stop, turn around. The other team is chasing him. The other coach is screaming, no, don't chase him. Let him run through the thing. And there was massive mayhem, and they all wanted a redo, and it was a mistake, and Kent State went on to win 41-21. to And one of the greatest games of all time. I'm sure you've all heard of that. So mistakes are made, and people try to move on, but sometimes they're not mistakes at all. They're just excuses that we make for decisions um, that we have made. Now, let's look here in Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25 and verse 14. And we're all very familiar, I'm sure, with this story. So in verse 14, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered them uh, unto them his goods. 
And unto one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one. To every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them five other talents. He's a good businessman. Verse 17, And likewise he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth, and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with him. So he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, the house deliver unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said to the Lord, Thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him the same thing here. Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou unto the joy of thy Lord. Then he that received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid my talent in the earth. And lo... There thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knowest that I reap not where I sowed not, and gather, and gather where I have not straw. Thou oughtest therefore have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received my own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath, that hath shall be given. And he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And this is so important here. And he cast, and cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now we all know this story. We're going over the scripture here. The master turns his substance over to three. And the first one, the summing up, he gives five talents to one. And it's very interesting here that this is one thing that it says. It says he gives, let's take a look back in verse 15. And he comes here and it says, and he gave, and unto one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one. To every man according to his several ability. So according to the man's abilities, he gave them talents. Now we'll look at some more with the talents here in a minute. Okay, so a master turns his substance over to three and then leaves the country, not for a small amount of time, not for a day or a weekend. He's gone, the Bible says, for a long time. He turns that over here. He gives one five, the other two, and then the last one, just one talent. The master returns and requires a stewardship report on what the servants had done. The man with five has gained five more and is rewarded. The man with two has gained two more and is rewarded. And then the man with one talent has wasted his and is punished. Now, I remember as a child reading this and sort of thinking that it was unfair. I'm like, dude, that's a lot of pressure on this guy. I mean, he's got this thing. He's got to go out. These other guys, the Bible even tells us he gives, he gives them uh, according to their ability, you know, okay, can we at least give the guy a little bit uh, of leeway here? I sort of felt like he was being picked on. He doesn't have the talents that the other two have. If he loses his one talent, then he's not going to have any talents at all. So you've got that. According to our politically correct society, he should be given a pass. 
Okay, when you think about that, he, he messed it up. He should be given a pass. He is basically like the California of the Bible here. He wasted the money that was given with him, and now he wants money back in return. There's another political statement. We're going to wipe that from the record. Um, don't get me started. I, I get myself started enough, so we're not going to do that. So here are, we're not going to name him California. We're not going to refer to him as that. Not going to do it. So I began to study this some more, and I remember going back to this later and understanding the Bible calls him a slothful servant for a reason. There's a reason why the Bible is so harsh with this person. And it's very interesting. Before we look at that, what we need to do before we look at the servant uh, himself, we need to establish one very, very important thing. So let's look back at verse 20 here real quick. So in verse 20, and it said, And so he that received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou hast delivered to me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. And then the person with the two talents does the same thing. So we notice here, verse 21 and verse 23 here are almost identical right down the line. So what that does is that shows us that God's work is about quality. It is not about quantity. We don't want quantity. We want something that's has quality. Even in human nature, we know that. Look at every time a government has made a vehicle. Go over to Russia and look at their government-made vehicles, you know, that they give you. Whenever you just punch stuff out and it has no quality whatsoever, it's typically garbage. So what God does here, God rewards the man who had the five just like he rewarded the man who had two. So God, uh, so work is about quality, not just quantity. So then verse 24 here. Then he that received one talent, had received one talent, came and said, Lord, I knew that, they, that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there hast that thou, uh, that thou is thine. So, it's very interesting. He says this about the, the, the um, Lord. He said, I know that... You have reaped where you have not sowed. It was very interesting because this happens later in this passage. Who reaps where they have not sowed? The faithful servant with ten talents. He gets this guy's talents. He didn't even do the work. He was just faithful and he took. So what it does is it shows us the master here is someone who was faithful and someone who worked. Someone who was uh, uh, did what he was supposed to do. And then he pulled in from... Uh, substance that other people did not use. And we actually see that later on, which is very, very interesting to me. So when we see what the slothful servant here says, it shows us by his own words that he really doesn't know the Lord at all. He thinks he understands the Lord and he thinks the Lord's going to be happy if I just give back what was given to me. Then I'll say, well, at least you didn't waste it, but that wasn't the point of the whole thing. He didn't actually know the Lord. His unfruitfulness proved that he was not a servant at all. He wasn't a servant at all. And that's very, very important. So it's very interesting that the lazy servant here uses fear as his excuse. Christ says the phrase, Christ alone says the phrase, be not afraid, that exact phrase, eight times in the gospel. Eight times. Don't be afraid. Teaching at the Discovery Center, uh, I and that Cole, I had kids. It was incredible. We would do things and uh, experiments and different stuff of that, competitions, peep kids would not do because they were afraid they were going to lose. It's amazing to me. We're doing this one competition on 
this thing that can shoot gumdrops. It was really cool, this like trebuchet type thing. So who can shoot the gumdrop the farthest? This uh, one particular girl would not participate because she was so afraid that she was going to lose. It literally like seized her up. And there's like 30 other kids in there, and I'm telling her, it doesn't matter, you know, we're, we're just doing this for fun. There's going to be a prize for who shoots the longest. Could not do that. She literally, and that's, you're paying for the class. It was an elective class. You're paying for it. So she sat there and watched during the classes we made these things and didn't compete in anything. So I talked to her about it, tried to convince her, tried to help her, did not want to do it. So I went and got a, the prize. It was this really big candy bar because that's what you give kids. And that was before I had more than two kids. So now I probably wouldn't do that. But I gave, uh, we had that, and this other kid won it. Everyone had a great time. The girl was miserable because she was so afraid that she might lose. A lot of times in our own life, we can be afraid of how something might turn out, and it seizes, uh, seizes us up. So Matthew, in Matthew 14, you don't have to turn there, but in Matthew 14, it says, Jesus spake unto them and said, Being of, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Later, he says, And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, be not afraid. In chapter 28, And then Jesus said unto them, Be not afraid, go tell thy brethren what, the, what you saw in Galilee. In Mark, it talks about him telling, seeing the troubled people, walking to them, be of good cheer, be not afraid. Over and over again, be not afraid of them that kill the body. He said unto them, it is I, be not afraid, and then spake unto Paul in a vision at night, saying, be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. Over and over and over again, he says here in the synagogue, be not afraid, only believe. Whatever God has for us, we're not to be of the spirit of fear. We cannot, and it, it's human nature to be not frightened and scared of something like you're a scary movie but be afraid of what the future holds what the next step is and we're not supposed to do that this servant used fear as his main excuse for his mistake but it really wasn't a mistake it was a decision that he made now the lord answers here let's look in verse 26 his lord answered and said unto him thou wicked and slothful servant thou knewest listen you knew that i reaped not that reap where I sowed not, and gathered where I have not strawed. It's very interesting when you look at the Bible. Jesus deals so harshly with the Pharisees. It's brutal, some of the stuff he says to them. Why is that? Because the Pharisees knew better. They knew better. There's nothing worse than someone who knows better and still acts like the world. Someone who is a Christian and still acts like the world. Jesus goes and eats with sinners. They didn't know better. He goes and reaches them. The Pharisees who are taking the scripture and twisting it. I'm telling you, there's no, t- there's no other person, there's no person on this earth that's more dangerous than someone who knows what's right and purposely twists the truth um, to, to pull people away. And those are the type of people I am... Uh, astounded that can sleep at night man you're you take the scripture and you twist it for your own gain and you drive down the road feeling safe (laughs) no thank you i don't want to do any of that um people get they get in sin they get blinded and they get very very bold with that so jesus so the lord here answers and said you're a wicked and you're a slothful servant okay and then he says thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers in verse 27 and then at my coming, I should have received mine with own usury. What we see here is that the slothful servant 
had to go bury this stuff. Do you know how much a talent of gold is? It's 3,000 shekels. That's 75 pounds. Go bury 75 pounds of anything and see if it, you can do that really, really quick. We, the slothful servant spent more energy not using his talent than he did taking it and handing it over to someone who could use it. They spent more time. And it, the funny thing is, is you probably do as well, but I know people that spend more time trying to avoid doing something or trying to avoid using any type of energy, then they will actually getting the job done. Procrastinating. It's funny. I used to have a lot of my examples, being a father of six, a lot of your examples revolve around your kids. But then as you get older, it's like now your examples revolve around yourself. And it's like now it's adults. And it's really, it's like actually, at least kids are honest with you. You know, they're not not as honest uh, as much. You never have to worry about what James is thinking. Isn't that a great thing? It it bites you sometimes, but you never have to wonder what James is thinking. It's just wonderful. Um, whenever they get teenagers, that'll probably change, but we're just enjoying the, the little outburst and all that right now. So um, the fourth thing we see here is that if you do not use something, you will lose something. So you will lose that, and you hear that before. If you don't use it, then you'll lose it, and it goes It's with a whole host of things. Someone who knows a language and they never use, they never, they stop speaking that language. They get away from that. Someone who has a talent, someone who plays an instrument, someone who, who does something, you get away from that, you start to lose that. And we see here that in verse 28, ter- take therefore the talent from him, take it from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. So the person who is faithful, now they have sowed where they have not strawed, just like the master so the servant who had now ten talents, he is repeating exactly what the master has done in the past. God's taking, the, the, the Lord took that talent from him and gave it unto the other one. So we learn two things here very quickly. There are consequences for not using your talents, and there are blessings for using your talents. The faithful servant gained what the slothful servant lost. So being, God might not, if you're faithful to the Lord, God might not show you something or give you something until later on in life. There's people I know that started preaching in their 50s. Some people are going close to 60. And the incredible thing, the incredible ministry that they had way later in life, they didn't have that earlier. God hadn't given them that earlier. It was much uh, later on. They were faithful, and then God gave that in his own timing. And we look at... Uh, we look at Moses. Moses is a classic example. God wasn't, Moses wasn't ready to be used in the capacity that God had for him until he was 80, which is just incredible when you think about that, uh, that God spent, God took a chapter talking about the first 40 years of his life, and then the rest uh, is like, I can't remember, 60-something chapters. Just fascinating. So the faithful servant gained what the slothful servant had wasted. It's a very serious offense not to use what God has given us for him. Well, you might say, God hasn't given me many gifts. That's a really easy one to say. God hasn't. Well, I'm not as talented as I'm. This is what I found. The more, when you hear about someone who is talented, it's actually, for me, I feel like, and I might be wrong, but I feel like it's almost to their detriment that they're talented because then you don't have to work on something. 
You know, I know so many, this person's talented. If he would just give, he would just give his heart to God. We can't stop and worry about that. That's between them and God. You have to move on. You have to be faithful. Someone who is faithful is so much better than some, someone who's talented. I know talented people who are doing nothing for the Lord, who live completely for themselves, and they have this talent, and then they waste the talent. And they might not know it, but the talent um, is gone. It's been given to someone else. So it's a very serious offense. And if you're, a, a, if you're a, a child in Christ, you do have a talent. You do have a talent. Every single person has been given a talent. Now, you think it's only one talent. It's a small talent. And like I said, 70, this is a real quick thing, 75 pounds. That's what a talent weighs, 3,000 shekels. In today's money, when gold's about $1,800 an ounce, that's $2,179,000 for that one talent. So when the master left, he left him quite a bit. To him, it might not have seemed like a lot if he had dealt with that before, but it was still a lot. Just because you think your talent isn't a lot, it's always something to someone else. There's always, you have something that someone else would love to have. They would love to have that talent. Uh, And it's important that we don't waste those. So we take for granted, we have to be very, very uh, uh, careful with that. You have more talent than you can imagine, and it's not because of us. It's because of him. God has given us that. So we can take that for granted, but we never need to take, uh, we take that for granted. We never need to stop uh, um, uh, using the talent that God's given us. Now, this is the very interesting kids, back to um, kid examples. They say they're wonderfully honest, painfully honest. Um, you can just just give them some time, just spend time with them. And it's so funny. I'll take the kids out sometimes when I'm out, and I'll take one of them, and we'll talk. And I'll ask them questions. Who is, who's the funniest in the house? And they say this stuff. Danae. Danae's the funniest. Danae's very quiet out and about, but she's really, really funny at the house. And she, we have pictures of her. Even when she was little, she could make one eye go in and one eye stay straight. She figured that out sitting at the dinner table. And it was like, it's incredible. So she would do the, it was just the funniest stuff. So they go through that. Who's the, who's the bossiest kid? Who's the richest kid? And it's always funny. They think, you know, the youngest kid's the richest kid, you know. And they'll go through all this different stuff. And it's just funny to hear them speak. And they say things that are just so incredible. One of my favorite stories um, was whenever I was at the Discovery Center. And this kid, Thomas, he had been asking, these, pe- these parents, they dropped these kids off. And it wasn't to learn anything at the Discovery Center. It was to be a babysitter. So it's like, wonderful. So they dropped the, all these kids. I've got all these kids in a room half this size for seven hours. And I'm like, okay, so we're literally, we're doing all types of stuff. And it was a, it was a lot of fun, but it was, a very, it was a, a very, very interesting environment. So this one kid, Thomas, keeps asking about lunch. We first get there, 8 o'clock in the morning, he's asking about lunch. Thomas, did you eat breakfast? Yes, I ate breakfast. Okay, bud, we're going to, and he was like, he was probably like six or seven. We're going to eat lunch in a little bit in like four hours, so let's just calm down. So he is, so he's like, ah, you know, so he comes back, comes up, Mr. Nathan, are we going to, okay, so finally got to where I knew, Thomas, is this about lunch? Don't ask, you know, okay, sit down, no. So his brother and his sister, the finally lunch comes, and I'm like, Thomas, it's lunch, you know. So he jumps up. He gets his stuff. We're going to walk across to eat. We ate in the park there in Boise and with all the, the geese and all that fun stuff. So we're getting ready to go across 
the bridge there, and Thomas, he gets his peanut butter and jelly out. His brother and his sisters hand it to him, and I'm watching them. I'm like, okay, come on, buddy. And he's looking at his peanut butter and jelly, and he's standing there, and he looks at both pieces, and then he looks at the garbage can and looks at both pieces and drops them in the garbage can and goes to walk out. And I was like, jaw hit the floor, boom, I couldn't believe it. I said, wait, Thomas, what did you do that for? And he said, well, I said, no, no, come here, bud, come here. So his brother and his sister were laughing and shaking their head. Apparently he had done this before. So I said, you've been asking about lunch all day. Why did you throw away your peanut butter and jelly? And he said, I was afraid I was going to waste it, so I threw it away. And I was like, what? Like, my mind, so many things were going on. I said, what? He said, I threw it away because I didn't want to waste it. My mom would get on to me if I wasted it, so I just went ahead and threw it away. I said, do you realize you just wasted it and throwing it away? And that would just, you know, to him, it was he did not even want to start on the sandwich because he thought he might not finish it, so he threw it away before he even started. And his brother, older brother and sister, they were like, oh, you know. So they just go out, and I'm like, okay, bud, you can have half of my sandwich because I know you're going to be cold, so, uh, uh, hungry. So we go out there, and then he's eating it again. And it was so interesting to me. In his mind, he thought for sure he had to get rid of that. And I could not believe it. I'm like, this kid needs to be psychoanalyzed. This is just incredible <laughs> what goes through the mind, the mind of a child. And that stuck with me. That stuck with me. And I began to think about that. And as I was preparing uh, this, I was talking at, at camp one time about this. And it was, I see that in, um, I saw that in such a, a funny way with the kid. But we see it in like real ways with adults. Like you'll literally, you're so afraid of not being able to finish or to fail or something like that, you'll throw it away before you even try. You'll get, you won't even try. You'll get rid of it. You won't even give it a chance. And whenever we see what God has done for us, God's given us talents and things to use. So many times we don't even try them. There was some study that came out that said, I can't remember what it was. It was like one in 80 kids they are a prodigy at something, but so many of them, 99% of them, never find out what it is. They don't know, they don't expand uh, their horizons enough to actually know what it is. So we're so afraid that we're not going to do good or we're not going to do good in the eyes of others that we won't even try. And that's essentially what we saw with the servant here. He was so afraid to mess up that he threw it away before he even tried and perhaps we think we're too far down the road of life to make a difference but we see God used Moses 80 years 80 years until Moses was ready to be used perhaps we're afraid of rejection doesn't matter can't be afraid of that my mom told me about giving a lady this is last year giving a lady at Walmart a track gave her a track and her ear uh, uh, her eyes just welled up with tears there in the checkout area of Walmart and she said you don't know how bad I need this I've had so many questions so many questions in my life and mom gave for that and there's always always a chance of rejection but you won't know unless you try so according to God here we see that trying is worse than failing why because it's a direct reflection of what God has given us the talents God has given us if we're not even willing to try it 
That's one thing we say to our kids. We give, give them the food. Spaghetti. It's good. Their mom is an incredible cook, and they won't try stuff. It's like, no, you're going to try this. It's really good, you know. We don't give you stuff out of a can. You know, come on, you know. So we do that. Nope, don't want to try don't want to try it. Well, you have to at least try it a little bit. And then about eight times out of ten, they'll try something. And you know what? It's actually good. But if it was up to them, they would never even try that. And that happens so many times with us. Now, we're not talking about business adventures here. We're talking about gifts that God has given us. Now, it's important as we end right here. Let's look in verse 21 and then we'll be done. We often focus on the lazy servant. We focus on the lazy servant as a warning to Christians. But it's also important to look at and remember the faithful servants because they are a part of this story as well. We have four parts. We have the master, we have the two faithful servants, and then we have the lazy servant. Now, the Lord says here in verse 21, he says this to both of them in 21 and I believe 23, and the Lord said unto him, well done thy good and faithful servant. He did not say you could have done better. Well, you could have done better. No, you didn't do it exactly how I would have done that. That's not what the master said. The master was looking for faithfulness. Okay, Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. So what's the master saying there? We see that the master sows where he has not strawed. He gains where he has not put out. Now what he's doing is he's doing the same thing for the servants that has happened to him. Now these servants were faithful over a few. Now they are going to gain more than what they were in charge of. So the master is setting the servants up for great success. So now the servants can say, I have gained where I have not had to put out. And I have harvested where I had not strawed. So now the servants, now those two servants are leading a life just like the master is. And that's important to remember whenever we look at these two people. Faithfulness, the faithfulness to use what has been given you will lead to many more things in Christ. And you don't get a greater example of that uh, than you would in the, the story of Daniel. Daniel was given, by all accounts, nothing. And Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were given the same. And they took a stand with a small piece of pulse, and they said, no, nope, we're not going to defile our body with the king's meat. And they were faithful over a small thing. And then God made them faithful. God made them rulers over a great many things. So that, to me, is incredible of taking something and using it to another thing. Not our own talents doing that, but a reward from Christ. So if we're faithful in one area, it opens the door for faithfulness in the other area. So many times people will think, how do I get, how do I have the faithfulness of Daniel? You have to have the faithfulness of Daniel back whenever he began with something as small as what to eat and what not to eat. And then it built up over those things. These servants here started with something small. They were faithful in that. And then the master says, now, because you were faithful in a small thing, I want to make you ruler over a large thing. And what we see is we see the servants becoming like the master in that sense, to where now they are gaining where they have not had to put out. So we have to ask ourselves, are we throwing something away because we don't want to waste it? Is there a talent that we have 
something we can do to um, enhance the kingdom, enhance the kingdom of God, advance the kingdom of God. Something we can do to bless other people that doesn't come just back on us, but a talent God has given us, no matter how small, are we suppressing that because we're afraid of how it will look? Uh, it might not make a huge impact. It might not seem like a lot to other people. God uses those small things. We have to ask ourselves, are we throwing it away because we are afraid to waste it? And I am so glad I was there that day to watch Thomas throw his sandwich in the garbage. And if I could have had a video of my face and then a video of him, the torment and the decisions going in his head as he looked at those sandwiches and then the garbage in the sandwich... And the garbage seemed like a better option than eating those perfectly good peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And we have to be careful that we, as Christians, don't do the same with our talents. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day, our time together, Lord. I pray that you'll be with each, each and every person here. Father, we are, each and every person is given talents. And we might not know what they are at this time. We might not see them at this time. Perhaps we do know what they are. And we're just suppressing those. Father, help us never to choose the option of wasting what we have been given over at least trying. Because we know with you, with talents you've given us, we cannot fail. Father, increase our faith, Lord, through doing what is right. I pray, Lord, each and every person here will be able to, whenever we see you one day, you will be able to say to us, well done, that good and faithful servant, Lord. And we'll just leave everything out and not hold anything back for you, Father. I pray you'll bless us. Keep us safe as we go throughout this week. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.